in Christian films be rated R? And what are the responsibilities of a filmmaker to make content that isn't harmful? We discuss this and more with special guest director Spencer Fulmar on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual and the only cult that wants you to think more, not less. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, self-loathing egomaniac. And with me, as always, is my delightfully despicable co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, and filmmaker. And today I'll go with pretty edgy guy. Edgy guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. On theme. Yeah. On theme. Got a lot of edgy guys over here. Speaking of which, today we have a very special guest. He is a director, writer, producer, known for such films as Generational Sins and Shooting Heroin. He is the founder of Veritas Arts and Hard Faith, the latter being a production company dedicated to creating R-rated faith-based films. He is the spectacular, the spiffy, the splendiferous Spencer T. Fulmar. Spencer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Joseph and Nathan. I'm really honored to be here. Now, we, we've wanted to have you on for a long time, so this is a, this is a really uh, We like controversial subjects, and if there's one controversial, controversial subject in the world of Christians, it is R-rated movies. Ooh, oh, yeah. you are the master of segues. Yeah. We have to make that one of your titles, <laughs> yeah. is master of segues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, since we had such a great segue, today we are discussing whether R-rated content is appropriate for Christian films and why. Christian audiences have long had a contentious relationship with R-rated content in movies and TV, often believing that violence, sex, profanity, and the like glorifies and encourages bad behavior. Christians in the 30s pressured Hollywood into adopting the Hayes Code, which limited the graphic content and moral perspectives in Hollywood movies. Christians today started watchdog websites like Plugged In and Movie Guide, which gave movies ratings for family friendliness. The Christian film industry has responded to that market culture by making sure that the faith-based content is almost exclusively of the family appropriate variety. However, there's a growing number of Christians who believe that this lack of R-rated content in the faith-based world is harmful. Christian film critic and host of the podcast Battleship Pretension and more than one lesson, Tyler Smith, one of our first guests on our podcast, argued to listeners that uh, we live in an R-rated world and Christians, we need to show that God is present even in the R-rated places, a sentiment also expressed numerous times by today's guest. So, Spencer, for yourself, why have you felt like it was important to make faith-based films that strayed into R-rated territory? And how do you differentiate between portraying something on screen and potentially glorifying something problematic on screen? Sure. Um, you know, I've talked about this subject a lot, but I actually, uh, Nathan asked me before I got on and, you know, today's call uh, whether or not I got tired of talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. Um, mm. I really don't. I don't like to have trivial conversations, um, but this isn't trivial. It's actually mm. super central to the gospel and to how Christians deal with the world. Mm. So we call our company Hard Faith. That came out of a lot of conversations about what we're trying to do. Um, when we had the first article come out about generational sins, it said, new faith-based film filled with F-bombs. And we got... <laughs> We got that came out on May 11th of 2017, and I have I don't know thousands of emails of hate mail, um, mostly from wow. Christians from all over the world, from grandmas to grandchildren. Wow. Uh, thousands, mostly, literally thousands. Wow. It was wow. it was really heartbreaking, and uh, 
And it's still heartbreaking. It really is. Even whenever you said some of those names of the critic review companies, it it's still like that wound, it still tinges with pain because hmm. it it is so exhausting and so um it's so harmful to our witness to a world that desperately needs some hope more today than ever before. Hmm. And it, it makes me so sad that Christians are obsessed with polishing their white tombstones and, and they don't give a about anyone that's actually dying and needs water in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to faith at 21. It's going to be 10 years now this Easter. Hmm. And when I came to faith, it wasn't because I wanted to win the football game or what any of these stupid faith-based films deal with. It was because I was at the end of myself and it was either that or there was no point in living anymore. Hmm. Um, I don't think, I think most people come to faith because of a life crisis, because they Hmm. are at their wits end, their life end throughout scripture and in my own life. I become closest to God when I'm suffering the most. Um, I wish it was out of blessing and prosperity when I get the new job or sell, you know, a credit, but it's not. It's whenever I lose everything is I realize all I ever had was Jesus. Mm. And so if we're not showing that in films, then we're portraying a faith that is irrelevant to the world in which people live in. If you look at just your local news, if I turn on the local news right Mm -hmm. now in Orlando, Florida, where I'm currently living, there are so many atrocities happening just in my development here that I'm living at. There's so many atrocities happening from uh, suicide and addiction and overdosing and, you know, abortion. There are so many travesties happening right now, just not only in my own heart, but in all the neighbors' homes I can see Hmm. And these these have no answers in the world. I search for answers before I convert to Christianity in anything, in any substance, in anyone. And there was no purpose in continuing on if there was no hope for redemption. And the hmm. only antidote we have for this suffering is Jesus Christ and his salvation for us, his blood for us. Um, and if we're not talking about that, then we're portraying not only a false reality, a, a PBS special that no one's had the privilege of living in. And we're also not actually sharing the true application of the gospel. If we're not that bad, if our lives are just PG, not R rated movies, then why the hell did God have to come in human form into a disgusting, you know, can, simple form in a baby covered in his own and then grow up, live a perfect life, a sinless life with all the temptations, and then die a bloody death and be torn in two and suffer our wrath. Why did he have to go through all of that if we're not that bad? If you just look at Jesus's life and his death, you have to know that things are really effed up. I am really effed up. I don't need to win a football game. I need save for myself. And so does everyone else. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, we're talking about this. I've talked about this so many times, but I don't understand how Christians for one second can pretend that they're not in an X-rated world mm. and that their mind isn't X-rated because it is. Well, that's an interesting thing. I think it's interesting. You watch the the progression of films and Christianity and art and Christian art on a whole. 
um, in the past decades, and you watch this move towards family friendly. And I understand that we want a safe place to exist, right? We, we want things to be nice for our kids. We want to watch um, comfortable, sweet things. But the reality is, in Christian homes and homeschool homes and mm. pastors' homes, the reality is exactly what you said. We are all living R-rated lives. And I'm not accusing everyone of committing R-rated sins, but we, we do. Um, mm. But none of us escape the, the dark touch of this world. And all of us will experience family trauma, personal trauma, uh, anger, loss, whatever it might be. This is an R-rated world, like you said. And I'm, I'm pretty much just saying exactly what you already said. But it, Christians are supposed to, if you look throughout scripture, if you look at Jesus' message, we're supposed to be the ones people are drawn to because we have something better. And the art that we're putting out now doesn't actually deal, like you said, with any of the real world problems and the real darkness of the world that um, most people, I'd, I, I, I'll say that all people will face in their life. And so if our art isn't answering any of those deep questions, then they will look somewhere else to find the answer to those questions. And it's interesting um, to watch the Christian community um, step away from that role as being the people who say, no, we, we have something, we have hope, we have redemption, we have it here, and step into this very comfortable, safe space where, like you kept on reiterating, um, the biggest, the biggest uh, uh, problem in someone's life is that they didn't win the football game. And then I think it even goes further and... Um, and, and I've talked about this in a whole different subject, so I'll be quick, but I do think that Christians have gotten to the habit of trying to market God. We're trying to sell him like a product, which makes our art have to sell him like a, like an infomercial. And so we have to smooth all the hard things about the Christian, the Christian walk. We have to make sure it doesn't have any of the realistic doubt or stumble or falling um, that the reality of the spiritual life does. Um, and we have to make God this nice product that people will want who solves all our problems and be becomes this Coca-Cola machine that is just really nice and family friendly. And the reality is, um, if you look at God's word, because I think this is how he's, he's revealed, you don't see a G-rated story. You see, as you said, this dark, hard, I mean, sometimes in the Old Testament, disgusting, um, really a terrible world. And you mm -hmm. see, and the whole point of the scripture is you see God step into that. But until Christians are actually brave enough to show the darkness and to show mm -hmm. um, the the reality of sin and evil in the world, um, then our art is not going to be effective and it's never going to offer that hope and that redemption that we know God has. And even more to the Christians, if this is a God you believe in, then you're believing in a God who isn't real. It's a false reality. It's a false God. And it might feel nice, but again, like a lot of these products you can buy off of infomercials, um, it's not ultimately authentic and it won't actually make a change. We're selling God as diet pills and we're not actually paying attention to the real evil and darkness that exists in the world in our art. Uh, any, anything to add to that, Spencer? No, I, I agree. We are trying to market God. We're trying to create God into a formula. If you do this, then this, then you'll have a nice life. And that's not what God promises. We're not looking at health and wealth prosperity. We're looking at bringing God's kingdom here and enjoying God and glorifying God with our life. So, I mean, Western Christianity and everything that faith-based films have projected is, is almost all lies. It's not Christianity has nothing to do with Christianity. Um, it's a PBS special to make you sleep better at night. But whenever you can't sleep, <laughs> whenever you can't even live, you don't ha you have a soft faith. I mean, so much of, you know, the, the churches that evangelical churches in America 
have created soft Christians. So whenever you get a really year like 2020, people scatter. You know, the the church isn't valued. It's non-essential. It's insane. There's no reason to go to church because it was just a social club that made you feel good about yourself and you talked in Christianese. But whenever the (laughs) hits the fan, that's whenever you should be on your knees in church with other believers trying to get through. And if church is non-essential, then I don't think your faith is essential. And 2020 was a perfect year that we should have had art that drew, that drew people in in their dark moments, right? Mm. That said, this is a terrible time. We have lost both of body and um, money and jobs and people and loved ones. And this was a dark time in, in recent history. And this should have been the time that there were so many Christian movies that actually mm. offered something that people had a lack in their life. And we didn't. We had you know, I won't name the names of the movies, but we had really uh, shallow movies that couldn't even touch the darkness that people felt this year. But there is criticism on the other side that when you show dark things, you glorify them. And this is something I've struggled with in being a filmmaker is how do you portray these things without being a part of them? So let me uh, jump on that because I agree with most of sort of what you and Nathan says about the need to have films that uh, faith that have that exist in the kind of dark world that we live in. I mean, I'm writing a dark story right now. You know, like I some of my favorite films are R rated films that uh, that said we there's a couple of things um, we do know. There are certain places where we do know that certain content related things are harmful. Um, we do like, you know, 13 Reasons Why was called out for graphic portrayal of a suicide because the psychologists involved said, we know that por- graphic portrayals of a suicide, you know, cause or heavily influence copycat suicides. You know, we, you know, a lot of the, uh, uh, a lot of the portrayals, uh, we know that porn has harms attached to it. And a lot of uh, portrayals of, of sex and nudity qualifies porn. You know, there, there's, there's different things that we do. And, you know, we know that, you know, on a, a slightly different note, you know, stereotyping of ethnicities of peoples we know has a harmful effects, both the people being stereotyped and the people not being stereotyped. Um, so we do know that content is even aside from, well, here's the context of the movie, you know, well, is, does have power and can be harmful. And I think in a sense, you know, in the conversations I have with uh, Christians, uh, you know, Christian audience members and Christian filmmakers, uh, that is a bit more of where their concerns and hearts lie. Um, because, you know, there are certainly a lot of, uh, of shallow, uh, faith-based films, even majority would say would, you could say are shallow, just like the majority of media content in general is shallow. Um, but, you know, a lot of the same faith based people love seeing movies like Courageous, which, you know, was about, you know, a, a child getting, mur- you know, somebody's child getting murdered and wrestling with what that means to be an adult with that, you know, even Fireproof, which is, maligned for very good reasons is about a marriage being broken apart. You know, the best, uh, most successful faith-based film was I Can Only Imagine, which is about, you know, uh, you know a, a father abusing his son, you know, and uh, I Still Believe, which is about how God doesn't always, you know, save people's lives with miracles. And so, you know, there is a, a desire and a market and a, a belief in faith-based, you know, people for uh, for dark stories that deal with the darkness that we live in, but there is a concern uh, that is that that port- when is it that portraying it um, can be harmful, and what responsibility do filmmakers have to portray it in a way that's responsible? Hmm. It's a great question. Um, you know, I 
I remember I did a podcast with the uh, bad Christian guys and <laughs> yeah. And it was about, you know, is the Bible R rated? And I hmm. said, absolutely. It is like you touched on Nathan, like there's some books, especially in the old Testament. I don't think there's one book in the entire Bible that would be PG. Honestly. <laughs> um, most are R rated. And even in judges, like whenever the prostitute is cut up into pieces and sent to all the tribes of Israel. I mean, it doesn't, it gets good times. Yeah. Good times. Very game of Thrones ish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you put that on television, you could never air it. Not even on HBO people would be protesting. And the Lord, could be a reason God didn't send the scripture as a movie. I know I've heard this. Yes. Yeah. I've heard that too. And I believe in that. Um, and I think, it is tough because I don't like to make any rules for people, especially rules that aren't in scripture, right? I'd like to focus on the things that God focuses about. So I don't give a flying F about four letter words. Thank you for censoring yourself. <laughs> I don't know if you guys allow cussing or not. I don't know you if can cuss all you we want. We don't do it. We allow our guests to do as they please. Well, my <laughs> <laughs> so um thank you for allowing me to express myself uh, really yes but on the other hand if any of my actors in my most r-rated movies says the lord's name in vain in any way that is a commandment of the lord and so i respect that and i edit it out and i'll say cut if they're starting to use the lord's name in vain because that hurts my soul and i know it hurts mm. god's but he doesn't care about our made up language that's just used to flavor. It's, it's seasoning. Now, again, with, with, you know, pornographic images for me and myself, I don't want to make a role for all Christians because whenever you start doing that, I think it binds people's conscience and that's not necessary. I usually relate this kind of conversation to pagan meat. Whenever Paul is talking, if your brother can't eat pagan meat, I will not eat pagan meat out of respect for my brother. But if you can eat pagan meat and enjoy it, then enjoy it. Now, that is not a perfect analogy to like showing pornographic images, but I wouldn't say you can never have nudity, sure. uh, you know, in film or in art just because someone might be offended. I have, I have thoughts. And the reason- We've talked about this. Never. We have. Never. You never have thoughts. Well, the it's thing- tough. It, I it is be tough because I am- definitely fall heavily on the side of Christians need to be exploring the dark. We need to be showing the reality of the dark world. We know this, why we're friends. And I say this just to be honest, Christians yeah. need to be honest and we're being dishonest when we're only making G rated movies. So we need to be honest and the world is R rated. And if we can't like connect with our fallen or potential sheep neighbors, brothers and sisters, then we're being dishonest that our lives aren't as bad as they are. Well, and I think the purpose of making these films is we want to bring about more redemption. And that, yeah. that takes place when you actually explore these dark places. What I never want to be is to actually be a part of the darkness. Right. And so there is this fine line that's really difficult mm -hmm. to, to walk, especially I, I used to have more of the, the, the thought process you did. There's nothing wrong with nudity, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I'm very much, I don't care what someone says. Language is language. That's ridiculous to me. I want to explore murder and all these and, and suicide and all these dark things. But in the making of a film, it can never be higher um, than the invaluable eternal soul um, that is helping make it. Meaning when I moved to Hollywood, I started meeting all these women 
And, you know, this happened, but this was before the Me Too movement. And I heard story after story after story after story of women being pushed to take off more clothes, of women being pushed to be being portrayed sexually, of women being pushed to be objects um, on screen. And they ultimately ended up really regretting these things they did for whatever reason um, they did them. And I do think there is a line that you have to be careful, especially we have a whole episode on this, especially with the sex and nudity, is this isn't a prop. This isn't, you know, with a, with a murder, it's fake blood. It's or, or a war movie, it's fake blood, it's fake guts. But with a human being, when you're showing nudity, that's a real person. And as Christians, we do believe the body is sacred. And mm-hmm. so I don't want to create hard and fast lines of what you can and what you can't do. But I do think that there is um, the sacred aspect of the body and respect that even for the sake of art, the person. Yeah, people um, are more important than art. Yeah, and so even, if, yeah. yeah. And I, and I see a lot of people valuing their art above the humans. And I know that exposing a body that was meant to be sacred can have negative imp- implications on the women and the typically the women, but the people in general who do these things. So for me, there is this constant tension of what, what do I show? What do I not show? How do I respect God's, um, uh, whatever it might be, his, his commandments, his, his heart um, for other people? in trying while still trying to show the authenticity and reality of the world has sex and nudity in it so are there ways i can do this that explores the darkness that talks about it without actually exploiting or causing hurt to someone who's involved in making well that's sort of where i where i fall into i i want i you know is where i want my you know it's like the person is more important than the art and god's standards are more important than you know sort of human standards so you're to your thinking it's like you know cussing is not as big a deal as other things are because god doesn't talk about that but also i like my things to be a bit more like fact and evidence-based where it's like okay like look like oh the suicide thing we have data that says that can actually potentially harm people so that's something that i want try want to try to avoid um but also you know i see that there's a lot of you know it's ironically sort of in the the haze code days they found creative ways to deal with dark material in ways that was uh, where you didn't necessarily have to portray sex and nudity in the things because they were finding ways to do it with innuendo. I think that for me as an artist, I look at it as a cost benefit thing because it is ironic to me that you know the faith-based industry sort of became built around family-friendly material mm-hmm. when the, the thing that launched the faith-based market was the passion of the Christ. Um, and yeah. and which which everybody, you know, the, which everybody in the faith-based community loved. And, and for me, you know, part of the, the, for me, I was thinking about it as that, you know, if there's a, there's a cost benefit analysis here and the benefit of seeing how glorious God was that he would send his son, you know, was worth the price that might be paid for desensitization to certain kinds of violence because it was, um, because it was that, that the, the meaning of that authenticity in that art was, was worth in that way. So I'm always, but again, I've also had, again, in my movies, I had a person, I, I might, you know, I did a short film where there was a girl who was, you know, getting up in the, at the beginning of the day. And she was a, she was fully clothed in pajamas all the way. I still had somebody saying, Hey, like that was, you know, that was problematic. And so it's like, okay, well, at what point are you not like actually portraying the lives that people actually live? And so I think, so I always try to look at it, like, is there a way that I can do this and not lose authenticity and still not be in a way that's going to potentially harm somebody else, really harm somebody else. And then like, you know, and then potentially be problematic for somebody else. And I think a lot of, I think artists want to, what carte what car blanche to just do whatever they want right. and say, well, it's for the art. And but then Christians on the other, so we have these two extremes. I yeah. want to do whatever I want for the art, which is which is the art is God. Yeah. And then you have 
um, this moralistic on the other side of the Christian side, you can't show anything. You can't even allude to right. anything, which is more, which is the moralism is the God. Yeah. And I don't think God is found in either one of these extremes. Um, it is tough, but I will say as artists and uh, believers, we do have responsibility in our art to one, both show the authenticity and realness of life, yeah. no matter what that looks like or how ugly that is or how messy that is, while also um, taking into consideration how it will affect people, um, both the people working on the project yes. and the people who will see it. Now, I will say this to jump back on Spencer's side. Um, I just flip flop to make everyone like just me. As, as, <laughs> as all, you know, right? Because, because if, if there's one thing that 30 year old white men love more than R rated movies, it's uh, Christopher Nolan and playing devil's advocate. Yes. <laughs> that, that is, those are kind of my main hobbies. Um, but hey, you are you me, running for political office? <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about it. It's kind of my own party kind of thing. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, uh, you were speaking earlier about how you were somewhat in defense of the Christian film industry. Well, you know, the Kindred Brothers made Fireproof and Courageous, which is, you know, Fireproof is about a marriage that fell apart. My problem isn't that, okay, good. They had a desire to show a real world, dark, hard, messy thing, right? That sure. was good. And then they went to make it and they never had the couple's swear or talk about their sex life or talk about things that are actually dark and deep. They never had them say anything that would go beyond. And I mean, he, he, in the movie, he supposedly had a, an addiction to what they called quote unquote trash. They couldn't (laughs) even bring themselves to say the word porn. They couldn't even identify what this guy was struggling with. And so it's not in the intention. I, I believe that a lot of Christian filmmakers have good intention about wanting to explore dark and real things, but it was that in their execution, it was so weak and so failed to actually resemble anything realistic, any kind of marriage that actually has fall apart. And then they felt this need at the very end to make sure that everything was wrapped up. The wife stays with them. No one cheats. Everyone just gives a thumbs up because they say a prayer and it's all done. And so that's where I think they failed, not in their intention to show the reality of a marriage, but how they actually, their, their execution of it was totally, it didn't look anything like a marriage falling apart. And that's something I've seen. And it looks nothing like this movie. Sure. And that's a place where they have crossed that line where their attempt to keep it, you know, um, not problematic cause them to not be actually real. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, thoughts that we, we've been talking for a long time. You, it's your turn to jump back in. Tell us what I we're agree. Wrong. <laughs> I agree. And I don't like Nolan movies. Boom. Okay. So the podcast ends now. <laughs> so different topic. Why Spencer yeah. is wrong. Um, no, but, um, well, let me, let me jump on it. Sort of a different track here that you can, you can go on. One of the things I think is interesting sort of is the, the demographics aspect of this. Cause I had a, I watched a last year, a movie called um, uh, uh, the King of Staten Island, which mm-hmm. I really love because it was very much like, okay, this is, you know, about, you know, something I've actually seen, experienced the sort of where millennials sort of are in terms of, you know, the moral relativism, the kind of uh, the not inability to kind of like make your life something good. But I had, you know, some of my um, older generation friends and even, you know, like my mom, you know, watch it and they liked it, but there was like, they're like, it felt for them, it felt like it dragged them sort of down into the muck that they actually weren't already in. And they were kind of like, it was a lot of things that turned them off to it. And then I talked to him and said, yeah, but this is actually the world that I'm actually living in that, um, that, uh, and, and it is depressing to you, but it is actually 
it's optimistic to me because it shows that there is actually a, an avenue out of it. So I yeah. think oftentimes it's different markets and we sort of look at it and say, some of the stuff that you like, you know, that, that like this group of people, like people who really resonate with, I can only imagine in ways that I don't, it's like, okay, it's actually speaking to them. And so in a ways, and the thing, same thing, same R rated films I like, it's, I think that sometimes I wrote an article, you know, where all the great Christian films. And one of the things I mentioned in there is that a lot of times we associate our Christianity with our demographics. Hmm. And so it's like, you know, this is a demographic thing and rather than a Christian thing, and you're making it a Christian thing. Um, and so I think that like, sometimes it's like, you know, this, that it, it's okay. And I think it's a good thing that that's why there should be lots of different types of Christians making films. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and it's like, I don't have a problem with, you know, the Irwin brothers making the kinds of films that they like to it's make. It's the gatekeeping that keeps people yes. like Spencer out. Exactly. Make films but there also should be Spencers out there making films. For people who've experienced already. Precisely. Yeah. Um, good so. point. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had a lot of heartache over the fact that there's only PG Christian movies. Yeah. And I always said, and I'll still say that so much of the church's resources is going into fattening the sheep, the sure. people who are already in the fold. All they're doing is just trying to, you know, butter them up and preach to the choir, look inwardly. Right. Yeah. And they just care about the people inside the four walls. My heart, Ben, maybe it's because when I converted or the life I've lived or mm -hmm. experienced, but I'm just so concerned about those who have only experienced darkness. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like whether or not that's your demographic, grandma still has to care about it. She may mm -hmm. prefer a mm -hmm. peachy, you know, rose colored, courageous, but all of her grandkids yeah. are living in rec room for a dream. Yeah. yeah. And so whether or not you care about it, that's a heart issue. Sure. And, and that's good point. Good was, point. Very good point. That's what I was, I think, kind of what I was trying to say about the, the Kendrick brothers who are making Courageous and Fireproof, about these heavy subjects. I'd be more okay with them just making happy family movies sure. rather than trying yeah. to take on really heavy subjects in really shallow and yeah. unrealistic ways. Mm -hmm. That is ultimately my problem, I think. Exactly. Because it's offensive. Like fireproof is absolutely offensive. As someone who is divorced and know what it's like to go through yes. a marriage falling apart, it doesn't look like fireproof. I can't do, I did the study of fireproof, you know, like the devotional, mm. like 90 days to win back your wife. They have all of our money. Yeah. It didn't, <laughs> it didn't work because God's not, he's not an equation. He is God. He's in control. I'm not. And so my life turns out very differently than I had ever hoped or prayed mm -hmm. for. And yet I still have to trust that he's good. And they're also and promising things that God doesn't. Yeah. Like a perfect marriage. If you pray this 90 day devotional, it's just sadly so much of it is just a money-making machine. Well, and I would like to see, I would like to see a fireproof made with what happens if the wife does cheat, what happens then? Is God still good? If is God still real and good when the already thing happens and actually goes? No, I want to. I want to see Hosea and Gomer. I want to see yes. how are you faithful whenever Gomer refuses to be. Yeah, that's how God is to us. He's so, not. You know, you call out your dad, your your husband for looking at trash, and then he makes a hundred and eighty degree, and he never struggles again. Sure. That, yeah. There's no story in Scripture like any of these faith based films we've talked about. 
Because if you want to see God's heart, look at what stories he included in scripture. And like you said, he included Hosea, he included Jacob, he included Moses. I mean, these stories are R-rated. That's a good point. Sure. Sorry. Even whenever, like, you know, David is redeemed after raping Bathsheba, he still is plagued with his sin. The Lord hasn't removed sin. He's not, his testimonial isn't, <clears throat> oh, look, I stopped raping women and now I'm perfect. His testimonial is, look, I repented. I have a, many psalms that shows how much I repented and how Samuel convicted me of my sin and God convicted me of my sin. And yet his last act in life is to put his sins onto his son's shoulders and tell him to kill the people he said he wouldn't kill. And the reason why, um, you know, David wasn't able even to build the temple is because he already had too much bloodshed. So one of his original sins, he never changed. And yet he's still a man after God's own heart. And that's our testimonial. So often in, in movies, in Christian art, in churches, we still glorify man. And then whenever they fall, like the Hillsong pastor or any of these pastors, we say, oh, it was all a lie. Well, that's because mm -hmm. you are believing a lie. You, are, you have your faith in your priest and not in your God. And your God should have been the one that saved your priest. And there's no, that, that relationship doesn't exist anymore. There's just man, there's sinners and sinners who love Jesus. And so whenever we put our faith in man and then make a whole genre that's supposed to be Christian based on glorifying man and how they can be perfected in this life, boy, that's, that is a really sad betrayal uh, to our Christians um, who are watching and trying to live up to that. We have a theological breakdown and criticism of I, Christian films. That's good. That's, that's really good. Now I will I will say one thing because I, I know I know people who will who will who will jump on me later if I if I don't say it. <laughs> but which is that I I I do know people who the things that um have been portrayed in Christian films like in war room, you know, where it's, you know, the wife does pray and the husband changes, that is an accurate reflection of their lives. And it's not every time though, not every, well, I mean, like, I, but that's the thing is that's, that's, that's my point is that, you know, it's the problem is that it's the only thing that's being shown, yeah. not that it's being shown. I think that portraying a God that do, does and can change things isn't a bad thing. And I think partly Christian films are a reaction to um, never having that portrayed, where that the only solution to problems is if a human, you know, has to, you know, is in, you know, there's tragedy that nobody can do anything about. There's no power that can actually help. And human, if there is a solution, it must come from human beings doing whatever. And so I think there is reaction to saying, no, there is our real stories about how God does intervene and can make things better. And that's why I say my problem is that's the only story that's being portrayed and people aren't allowing stories that have a different kind of story to actually get uh, traction because that is a part of the world we live in too. So on that, um, and then we'll, we'll wrap up soon here, but I do want to say it's interesting. Spencer, you brought up a point earlier. Yes. I, I don't think inherently it's evil that there, that there are stories being portrayed, um, that are, you know, G rated and where everything works out in the end. But if you want to know God's heart and if you want to know sure, re yeah. reality, like you said, Spencer, look at the stories that are included in scripture. Sure, yeah. I don't think one of them looks like even one of the stories being told in the Christian films today. I mean, maybe one, but the reality is the majority of Christian movies are centered around um, the kind of values and stories that 
are so rarely found actually in scripture because the the heroes of scripture usually are David's and Jacob's and Peter's and you have all in in Thomas's and all these incredibly broken people. And even with your friends, well, that worked out for me. I'd, I'd be interested to know, did it work out in that same kind of way that you saw in this movie? And does it always work out? You've never had disappointment. Um, and maybe it worked out that one time. Uh, but did it, like you said, Spencer, okay, great. He stopped looking at porn for a month. What what happens after the movie ends? Sure, yeah. Is he just perfect forever? And right. so I do think that Christians are addicted to um, the bubble. And I know everyone gets sure. accused of being in a yeah. bubble now, but we want our beliefs and um, and values to be reaffirmed in a safe way, never challenged. And a lot of times Christians don't want to look at the reality of the world because it's, it's scary and it's icky and it's dirty. The reality is we're all scary and icky and dirty. Mm-hmm. And until we can actually accept that, um, and reflect that in our artwork. Like I will make full round, go back to what you said, Spencer, then we're not actually gonna be able to have a true effect on the world. I hope that everybody's life gets fixed with the prayer, but in my experience, mine hasn't and not one person's I've known has. And everyone, every person I know is struggling deeply, Christian or not. And if we can't show that accurately, we're not actually gonna make any kind of art that actually has any effect on the world around us. So we'll let you have the last word, Spencer. Yeah. It's a really good discussion. I've talked about this a lot and it hasn't gone this direction. You guys are great. Um, well, I thank you. <laughs> you are clearly a man of excellent taste and judgment. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about this conversation after we uh, end the call, but it, you know, I, I hear, I resonate with what you're saying, uh, Joseph, about we do need encouragement about stories about people who pray and God answers. Now, the difficulty is, is that when you continue the story, mm-hmm. you know, let's born or whatever it is, um, they continue to struggle with sin. Why mm-hmm. is that, right? Um, I think it's because it's the same original sin that we want to be separate from God. We want to be hmm. our gods. We want to be autonomous. And so mm-hmm. in the Garden of Eden, God said, eat anything. Just don't eat this one thing. <laughs> We're like, F you. We want to one thing. You don't know what <laughs> I love the one thing. <laughs> and so we still want to be autonomous. Even in our salvation, we don't want to mm-hmm. say our sanctification is a daily struggle. We yeah. want to say, oh, okay, great. You died for me. You bled for me. I'm saved. And now I got this. No. Mm-hmm. It's every single day, I have to beg on my knees, please, Lord, hold me because I don't want to fall back into hell. And that is the life of the Christian. That is what we should be training in film. That's what the pastor should be preaching about Mm -hmm. because it doesn't get easier until you finally are relieved of this weak vessel and you are glorified in heaven and no longer have the temptation of sin. You are going to be daily, second by second, constantly praying that you do not fall back into hell into the pit of darkness. And, and wallow in darkness where you came from, because God is the only one that will save you. So whenever, after fireproof ends and the husband gets better, that husband's going to have to keep relying on God being mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue hard. being hard. And his marriage yeah. will continue being hard. And she's going to be tempted to cheat again. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's just sad because I think this just touches on a point that so much of Christianity, how it's portrayed not just in Western culture, not just in our movies, but just modernly, it's so focused on man and how we can be better versus focusing on the only thing that's good, which is God. Mm. 
Well, on that note, <laughs> that's a pretty pretty good mic drop moment to end our, our discussion on. So we're there. We're going to transition to Nathan's favorite segment <laughs> of our Blesses podcast. and curses. Yes, and if you, this is <laughs> if this is your first time uh, uh, listening to this podcast, this is where we take a piece of art that we uh, that we um, either like or don't like, and we bless it and curse it, and we try to keep it on theme with whatever we we're talking about. So. Today, something to do with uh, faith and R-rated, whether it is an R-rated movie or even just a book or a piece of art in some way that we think touches on this discussion. So Nathan, uh, do you have something that qualifies under this or would you like some time or time to think about it? No, I do. Okay, good, good. Okay, cool. Um, so I have a couple of blesses and I wish there were more out there, but I'm going to yeah. bless the OG R-rated Christian movie and that's The Passion. Um, I'm getting ready to watch it. I watch it every year around. Um, so good. Yeah. So good. And it, you really go back and watch it and go, and we didn't even touch on this today, but the artistry that went into this movie, yeah. the beauty that went into this movie yeah. and the authenticity yeah. of reality that yeah. I have never seen a portrayal of Christ's death and resurrection that was so touching and moving because of the fact that he went there. Yeah. That he went to the authentic and realistic places. Yeah. And that is why that movie has long lasting effect on people is because he was authentic and real yeah. in his portrayal, uh, his portrayal of the story, of reality, even when it was ugly, even when it was messy. And so, <coughs> so I gotta go back and, and uh, <coughs> excuse me, bless. Oh, no. um, <laughs> I gotta bless the Passion of the Christ. It's great. Um, there's so so many others. I have more in my head, um, but I'm gonna save them for future episodes because I always run out of things fine, to bless and curse. Fine. Uh, so I'm gonna save the one I actually have in my head. So I'm gonna bless the LG, the Passion. Um, as far as a curse, um, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna bless. I'm gonna curse War Room. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kendrick Brothers. Yeah. You know, I might as well just throw Courageous and Fireproof in there too. Um, it's my but, you know, what I'll say is... <laughs> Giants meaning the opposing team on football. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot the football one. I, uh, facing the Giants. So that goes in the, the cursing, uh, cursing one, too. And I'll tell you why. It's not because I hate these guys. It's not because I think they're evil. Maybe. They could be evil. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. But um, I, I think they're probably fine guys, nice guys. I'm not attacking them personally. I'm attacking what they have made. And the reason why is, I mentioned this earlier, is because they are taking and trying, which I guess I applaud, to um, look at real life situations, dark situations, and they're doing it so inauthentically and doing it so shallowly um, that I think it actually not only hurts our reputation and our image, um, but it actually gives a false reality to anyone who's actually experienced these things in life. And it gives a false picture of God. And I think that's, and if you want to talk about taking God's name in vain, that is how we take God's name in vain. We give a false picture of who he is. And mm -hmm. I think these movies do not reflect reality while trying to tackle big subjects. And to me, I want to say, stop, go tackle fun, comedy, little subjects, because you are obviously not equipped to handle these with any kind of truth or reality um, that will ever be effective and won't lie about how life actually is and how God actually is. Um, and 
So yeah, tell us about how you really feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry, my mom really, really likes War Room. So. I, I wondered if there was a mom issue going yeah, on. No, 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 I love my mom. <laughs> she likes War Room. <laughs> no. But she also is uh, also the person who um, loves Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies. So I'll throw those into the curse as well. So, um, she's, at a, she's at a point where she's experienced enough hard life that she just, so wants, she's earned it. She yeah, just yeah. wants happy things <laughs> and I can give that to her. That's, um, that's fair. But uh, yeah, those are my curses. Um, I uh, will. I will go with um, a couple things. I will say the the other R-rated Christian film that I like, and it's basically only two because I haven't seen all of them. I, well, well, I know I, there's others. There's good. There's good ones. You've made a couple. Um, but I will. But I don't want to be that guy. So I will say, um, uh, Book of Eli. Oh, classic. Classic. <laughs> A film, this is the film where people are like, okay, 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 Passion of the Christ, R-rated Christian film. What's another one that I will like, you know, as one of my friends, like, okay, Book of Eli. And if you haven't seen it, it's an amazing film about, basically, imagine Mad Max only more bleak um, about a man who, uh, a warrior who believes, he believes in God, believes he's sent by God in order to deliver a Bible. And the, 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 it really shows how when things are at their darkest, what it means to actually do what God says. And also the way everybody reacts in very realistic ways to the, uh, to the existence of a Bible in a post-apocalyptic world. You have the people who don't know about it, who are intrigued by it. You have the people who are faithful, who believe in it. You also have the people who want to use it. And I think that it's, it's, it's a really good exploration of humanity as well as faith. And also it's just a great, dark post-apocalyptic thriller. So it's like, that's, I say like, you know, here's something that you can do in the faith, in to talk about faith, but also talk about uh, in a, in a, in a, a great film. That's just fun, good and deep and fun to watch. I, I like, I go to Book of Eli. Now it's And here I thought you were going to bless Beckman. <laughs> you know Beckman it Spencer? Was, it was not, I, I it, it's, it, wait, wait, I got to explain this. Okay, please explain it's it. Yes. David Ayer White as, uh, Liam Neeson and Taken. You haven't seen Beckman? Oh, here's the thing. It's I think it's on your as, watch list. It's not as fun a hate watch as I wanted it to be. Yeah, it's just a hate watch. It's just a hate watch. It's not, but it is, yeah. No, definitely watch the trailer and just like <laughs> let your eyes bleed. It is, it is fun. Um, no, but I will say that my curse, I'm going in a slightly different direction. You as your curse did a non R rated thing that didn't go, that didn't do it right by not going authentic in that way enough. Mm. I'm going to go a slightly different direction and I'm going to, cause I haven't done this yet. I'm actually going to, for the first time, curse cuties. Um, because that was the oh, uh, film that was, you know, on, on that was that Netflix bought from the, you know, uh, uh, French film festival that was, you know, attempting to be, uh, an authentic portrayal of what it is like to be a 12-year-old girl in France over-sexualized um, being over-sexualized. You know, anyway, yeah, be in an over-sexualized world, being a 12-year-old girl in an over-sexualized world. And the thing is, they did exactly what we're afraid to do and don't want to do as Christians. They over-sexualized. They acted, they over-sexualized them in the attempt to show what it's like to be over-sexualized. They used the camera. It, they used the camera to ogle the girls in that way. Trying to tell us how bad it is to ogle girls. Precisely. And I think that that's the thing that we always have to be careful of, that we don't become what we are criticizing when we are portraying those films. So that will be my bless and my curse. So now, Spencer, what uh, do you have a bless or curse that you would like to do? I'd like to do both. Do yes. it. All right, so I'm going to curse all faith-based films <laughs> that show the world dishonestly. 
that show our faith is trivial or trite or nice. Um, show God is nice and say that the only thing that you would ever be a Christian for is health and wealth, prosperity. Mm-hmm. That if you pray to God, if you're a good person, whatever the hell that means, that you'll be blessed financially. Um, Name drop one that Nathan Clarkson hasn't mentioned already. Oh, I really <laughs> want to him because I, <laughs> pastor I really respect trying back up that film and be like, well, not all faith-based films are bad. What about War Room? And I was like, <laughs> buddy, uh, the, the, I truth. will never defend the writing of any faith-based, most faith-based films. I'll say that. Yeah. And I'll agree with, you know, Nathan, that a lot of these guys are well-intentioned. They're just terrible artists and uh, <laughs> they're not deep thinking theologians. They have bad theology. I'm not saying that they're damned, but their movies are doing more damage than good. Mm. Uh, so I'll say Facing the Giants because that's one of the films I hate the most because mm. it's a movie where, you know, if you, even Fireproof, I think I might hate even more from my personal experience, but. Oh yeah. The same, the same brothers. Um, <laughs> We're going to try to get them on here. Maybe we'll have you on at the same time and just let you guys duke it out. Style. <laughs> hey, I, I would, Hey, I would, I would love watch it. Yeah. It's good TV. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't sign off the first time I say a four letter word. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Um, and I am going to bless you guys for doing the overthinkers. Oh, oh yes. wow. Look at hey, that pandering. Wow, this is the first, yeah, pandering one like that that we've ever gotten. But well, you're right. You're, right. I mean, you're, 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 you're perfectly correct. Yeah, I know. It, it's, <laughs> you guys are having important conversations that the church isn't having. So, hmm. you know, sadly, the church doesn't want to overthink. They don't want to think hard about faith. They don't want to think about dark issues um so well thank well, you thank you so much well that's a that's we we appreciate that and thank you for coming on now first so is there anything that you would like to plug before we sign off or would you like uh to tell people how to uh find your work or how to reach you or whatever this is your time you have the floor go for it self-promotion baby self-promotion i'll say go to hardfaith.com it's hmm. a uh there's not a lot on that site, but I'm going to be adding more. And hmm, I hope, you know, for whatever, how much time we all have, how much time I have, I hope it's a way to bring a light in the darkness. Hmm. That's fantastic. You heard it here. Go to, go to hardfaith.com. And I will just add for Spencer, uh, watch his movies, especially yeah. I really think for Christians to start out, watch Generational Sins. Yeah, I agree. That was how I was introduced to Spencer and wrote him out of the blue and says, hey, you're a bad Christian. Let's hang out. And that's how we're <laughs> friends. And, uh, yeah. But this is a film and all of his films, and you can see me in his second one, Shooting Heroin, but all of his films <laughs> deal with heavy real life issues, but they also have God at the center and hope and redemption. Yeah. And I think that's what as Christians and filmmakers and artists we have to be doing. Particularly, so. I would say if you're a Christian filmmaker who wants to learn how to tackle those subjects in faith, that's a good place to start to figure out how that would look for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and if you want to find us, you can go to the overthinkersjournal.com. We have recently uh, a new post up there by our own Nathan Share. So please check that out. You can learn more about us and you can get in touch with us and send us all your love mail and hate mail and tell us how right or wrong we were. And if you want to get in touch with Joseph, how do you get in touch with Joseph? Just find me on all the socials, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And of course we have our uh, 
Overthinkers uh, private Facebook group. Please uh, come to that. We have so many great discussions. If you like these discussions, agree with Spencer, these discussions are a lot of memes having, too. And also a lot of memes because those are important, particularly in 2020 and 2021. And if you want to get a hold of me, go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name on the socials. And Joseph, get us out of here. Well, thank you everyone for joining. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Thanks for joining.